Thank you for downloading this episode of our podcast. Hi, and welcome to the podcast for Solomon Staircase Masonic Lodge number 357, where we talk about all things related with Freemasonry, including hermetic teachings, philosophy, reason, spirituality, and much more. We're located in Buena Park, Southern California. Tune in as we continue to update our podcast with informative talks and articles for Masons worldwide and those who would like to inquire within. The following article is from the February 1999 Scottish Rite Journal of Freemasonry, Southern Jurisdiction, USA, and is written by James A. Marples, 32nd degree. And it's titled, If You Can Drive a Car, You Can Thank Brother Walter P. Chrysler, 32nd degree. In America today, the automobile has become virtually indispensable to our standard of living. It is a virtual magic carpet made of steel and glass, getting us back and forth to our work and play, enabling us to do our chores, and allowing us to vacation with greater ease, comfort, and speed. The modern automobile is a far cry from the horse and buggy or a covered wagon going across the prairie a century ago. Although there have been many pioneers in the automobile industry, Brother Walter Percy Chrysler, 32nd degree, stands alone in his ability, ingenuity, and diversity. Brother Chrysler was born in 1875 in Wamego, Kansas, but he and his family moved to Ellis, Kansas, where young Walter was educated in the public schools and grew to manhood. He was a mechanic with the various railroads at the time he received the Scottish Rite degrees in 1900 in Salina, Kansas. Brother Chrysler, like myself, also held membership in Isis Shrine Temple of Salina. Ten years later, he joined the American Locomotive Company. By 1912, he was employed at Buick Motor Company, and within four years, this hard-working man was its president. Brother Chrysler was largely instrumental in seeing the Buick Motor Company become part of the General Motors Corporation. Active and energetic, he assisted with the reorganization of the Willys Overland Company and the Maxwell Motor Company. In 1925, Chrysler Corporation was organized with Brother Walter as president. In 1928, Chrysler Corporation acquired Dodge Brothers, a name famous then and now in automobile manufacturing. This acquisition gave the young corporation a greater foothold in an expanding personal vehicle market. In many ways, Brother Chrysler was more creative and flexible than his more rigid competitor and Masonic brother, Henry Ford, 33rd degree. Illustrious Ford was often hesitant regarding change, while Brother Chrysler adapted to change with eagerness. This, plus his willingness to accommodate the customer while simultaneously making improvements in quality, led to better products and spawned further inventions and innovations, a tradition which persists to this day not only in the Chrysler Corporation, but in other companies too. Therefore, all Americans today, regardless of what vehicle they drive, can be thankful to Brother Walter Percy Chrysler, 32nd degree. His actions were geared more to customer satisfaction, an idea considered lofty at the time, but now an attitude taken for granted as the norm by today's selective customer. When I was growing up, there was no more choosy or selective a customer than my dad, John William Marples, 32nd degree. Prior to his career in aircraft manufacturing, he had initiated and operated a gasoline service station slash repair garage. He knew Fords, Chryslers, and nearly every other automotive product of the time. He had owned a large Cadillac and one of the smallest Fiat cars ever made. He owned an Austin, a Hudson, several Willys cars, and a Henry J. But he made his preferences clear, a Studebaker truck and a Chrysler car. My dad owned several Chryslers, Prolimus, and Dodges in his life. I remember his firm hand on the steering wheel of his 1963 Chrysler New Yorker station wagon. That particular model had a push-button operated automatic transmission. 
There was no gear shift stick or lever, just buttons on the dash for all the gears and an arm that kept the car safely in park. That car was a pleasure to drive, and it was dependable. Nor was it an isolated example. I remember my dad's brother, by blood and by masonry, Charles P. Marple, 32nd degree. He also kept a firm hand on the steering wheel of his 1966 Chrysler New Yorker as we drove over a suspension bridge on a very windy day in the state of Washington. That day I was especially thankful for both my uncle's firm hand and his dependable Chrysler New Yorker. In addition to following in my dad's and my uncle's footsteps in their masonry, I also followed in their tire tracks. Like them, I own a Chrysler, a 1981 New Yorker 5th Avenue edition. I regularly drove Dad, now deceased, to Masonic Lodge and Shrine meetings, to the bank, grocery store, and practically everywhere else we needed to go. I still have that Chrysler. It has covered a lot of miles, and I have changed its tires, brakes, water pump, belts, hoses, filter, and oil many times, yet that car is still dependable and is a pleasure to drive. It reminds me of the thousands of dependable Masons, like my dad and uncle, who drove and still drive Chryslers. Most of all, it reminds me of the dependable Mason who founded the Chrysler Corporation. Brother Walter P. Chrysler, 32nd degree. His legacy is continued by the company he started and by the other companies that strive for Chrysler quality and dependability. So the next time you turn the key on your dependable car, truck, or van, you might say to yourself, Thanks, Brother Walter. This next article is from masonrytoday.com and is titled Today in Masonic History. Walter Percy Chrysler is born. So this article is from April 2nd, 2016. Today in Masonic history, Walter Percy Chrysler is born in 1875. Walter Percy Chrysler was an American automotive industrialist. Chrysler was born on April 2nd, 1875 in Wamego, Kansas. He began his career as an apprentice machinist and railroad mechanic. His father, a Canadian-born Civil War veteran, also worked for the railroad as a locomotive engineer. Walter Chrysler took correspondence classes from the International Correspondence School in Pennsylvania to earn a mechanical degree. Eventually, Chrysler began traveling around the country working for various railroads. Often, he would just become bored with where he was and wanted to become more well-rounded in his skills. Other times, his temper would get away from him and a move would become necessary. The pinnacle of his railroad career was working for the American Locomotive Company in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, which is ALCO. The director of ALCO was a banker and executive at General Motors. He approached Chrysler about making the move into the automotive industry. A meeting was set up for Chrysler to meet with the president of Buick Motor Company, who was looking for a smart production chief. He accepted the job and would find many ways to help reduce production costs for Buick. In 1916, William Durant, who founded General Motors in 1908, took back control of the company from the bankers with who Chrysler was closely allied. Chrysler immediately tendered his resignation to Durant. Durant, who was working out in New York City, caught the first train to Flint, Michigan to convince Chrysler to remain with the company. Durant offered Chrysler one of the most lucrative packages of the time, included a salary and a large end-of-the-year bonus each year during his three-year contract. The deal was so massive that Chrysler had Durant repeat the deal before he accepted because he couldn't believe what he was hearing. Chrysler had free run of Buick and answered only to Durant. After Chrysler's three-year contract was up, he once again tendered his resignation, feeling that Durant did not share his vision for Buick. Durant bought back all of Chrysler's shares in General Motor, making Chrysler one of the richest men in America. In 1919, Chrysler was once again sought out by bankers, this time to turn around Willys Overland Motor Company. He demanded and received a $1 million per year salary over the next two years, an unheard-of salary for the time. 
1921, before left Willie's overland, he tried to wrest control from John Willie's and was unsuccessful. Instead, he acquired control of the Maxwell Motor Company. He slowly phased Maxwell out and absorbed the company into his new firm, Chrysler Corporation of Detroit, Michigan. He also created the Plymouth and DeSoto brands. 1928 was a big year for Chrysler. He purchased Dodge, he financed construction of the Chrysler Building in New York City, and he was Time Magazine's Man of the Year. In 1936, Chrysler stepped down from running the day-to-day operation of his company. Two years after that, his wife passed away and he was devastated. He would never recover from the loss of his childhood sweetheart. On August 18, 1940, he passed away from a cerebral hemorrhage in Sleepy Hollow, New York. Chrysler was a member of Apollo Lodge No. 297 in Ellis, Kansas. This next article isn't so much about Brother Chrysler himself as it's more about the building that he had put up. So this is from NewYorkMasons.org and is titled Chrysler Building. And this is from April 4th, 2017 from the Grand Lecturer's blog. Chrysler Building. The Chrysler Building is an Art Deco-style skyscraper located on the east side of Midtown Manhattan in New York City at the intersection of 42nd Street and Lexington Avenue in the Turtle Bay neighborhood. At 1,046 feet, the structure was the world's tallest building for 11 months before it was surpassed by the Empire State Building in 1931. It is the tallest brick building in the world with a steel structure. After the destruction of the World Trade Center, it was again the second tallest building in New York City until December 2007, when the spire was raised onto the 1,200-foot Bank of America Tower, making the Chrysler Building the third tallest building in New York. In addition, the New York Times Building, which opened in 2007, is exactly level with the Chrysler Building in height. Both buildings were then demoted to fourth tallest building in the city when the under-construction One World Trade Center surpassed their height, and then to fifth position by 432 Park Avenue, which was completed in 2015. The Chrysler Building is a classic example of Art Deco architecture and considered by many contemporary architects to be one of the finest buildings in New York City. In 2007, it was ranked ninth on the list of America's favorite architecture by the American Institute of Architects. It was the headquarters of the Chrysler Corporation from 1930 until the mid-50s. Although the building was built and designed specifically for the car manufacturer, the corporation did not pay for the construction of it and never owned it, as Walter P. Chrysler decided to pay for it himself so that his children could inherit it. The Chrysler building was designed by architect William Can Allen. When the groundbreaking occurred on September 19, 1928, there was an intense competition in New York City to build the world's tallest skyscraper. Despite a frantic pace, The building was built at an average rate of four floors per week. No workers died during the construction of the skyscraper. Van Allen's original design for the skyscraper called for a decorative jewel-like glass crown. It also featured a base in which the showroom windows were tripled in height and topped by 12 stories with glass-wrapped corners, creating an impression that the tower was floating in midair. The height of the skyscraper was also originally designed to be 807 feet, However, the design proved to be too advanced and costly for building contractor William H. Reynolds, who disapproved of Van Allen's original plan. The design and lease were then sold to Walter P. Chrysler, who worked with Van Allen and redesigned the skyscraper for additional stories. It was eventually revised to be 925 feet tall. As Walter Chrysler was the chairman of the Chrysler Corporation and intended to make the building into Chrysler's headquarters, Various architectural details, and especially the building's gargoyles, were modeled after Chrysler automobile products, like the hood ornaments of the Plymouth. 
to exemplify the machine age in the 1920s. Construction commenced on September 19, 1928. In total, 391,881 rivets were used, and approximately 3,826,000 bricks were manually laid to create the non-load-bearing walls of the skyscraper. Contractors, builders, and engineers were joined by other building services experts to coordinate construction. Prior to its completion, the building stood about even with a rival project at 40 Wall Street, designed by H. Craig Severance. Severance increased the height of his project and then publicly claimed the title of the world's tallest building. This distinction excluded structures that were not fully habitable, such as the Eiffel Tower. In response, Van Allen obtained permission for a 125-foot-long spire and had it secretly constructed inside the frame of the building. The spire was delivered to the site in four different sections. On October 23, 1929, the bottom section of the spire was hoisted to the top of the building's dome and lowered onto the 66th floor of the building. The other remaining sections of the spire were hoisted and riveted to the first one in sequential order in just 90 minutes. And although it seems like this should continue on a little bit more, that's actually the end of the article. So, I uh, hope you enjoyed that one. And our final article for this episode is going to be a short one from MidnightFreemasons.org and is titled Freemason Wisdom, Walter Chrysler on Success and is written by Judy Gordon and Todd E. Creason. The real secret to success is enthusiasm. Walter Chrysler. Anyone who has been successful in life will tell you that the secret to success is having a passion for those things you want to accomplish. You have to truly believe in what you're doing. Another famous Freemason, the singer Eddie Cantor, once said, it takes 20 years to make an overnight success. If you want to be successful, you have to love what you do, because it doesn't happen overnight. It is usually a long journey to the finish line. Those that make it arrive there because they were passionate enough about what they wanted to do to see it through the many obstacles that stood in their way. Are you as successful as you want to be? Do you love what you do? If not, what are you passionate about? Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a comment. We enjoy hearing from our listeners. If you really like what you heard, share this podcast with your friends and lodge members. Visit us online at solomonstaircase.org.